Father in heaven, we do come to you and we thank you, Lord, for the blessing of the work of the Spirit of God in the life of the Apostle Paul and in the life of Jeremiah as he conducted his ministry over 50 years with only one convert, and that was his secretary. We thank you, Lord, for this word. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And as we hear the cry of the Apostle, that first and foremost, that I may know you, Lord, that I may know the triune God. We pray that that cry would come from our hearts and would be placed on our lips. For without you, we can do nothing, we are nothing. In you, we have all things. And so we pray for your work in our hearts that we would with the apostle, cry that I may know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, there's a statement in the Bible recorded many, many years ago. I wrote down in my notes, many years ago in a place far, far away from here, there was a man who sinned, and he hid himself. And I'm kind of giving away where it's at. He hid himself among the trees of the garden. And God said to him, as God came into the garden, where are you? Did God not know where Adam was? Doesn't he know everything? Did he know that, God, that Adam was hiding in the garden? Do you know exactly where he was? Did he know exactly what he had done? The answer is yes. He confronted Adam and Eve concerning their sin. What happened that day? Well, God warned him and said, The day you eat thereof, you shall, in dying, you will die. Surely die. Very good. Did he die that day physically? Did he live to be 970 years old? But did he die that day? Yes. He was separated from life. God is life. And that separation is passed on to all of us. We are all born separated from God. So my question for you today is where are you in relationship with God? All mankind, like I said, are in the garden hiding behind the trees of the garden, providing their own clothing to cover their nakedness, their own righteousness, their own works. Are you still there? Or are you trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Are you clothed in the righteousness of Christ? And, can, and do you know God? That's the question of the hour. The title of the sermon is, That I May Know Him. My main point, as in the, the outline is in the bulletin, the wages of sin is death, which is separation from God who is our life. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can be restored to life. That is, to the true knowledge or intimate personal relationship with God. It's only through Jesus 
that we can be restored. And what's amazing, the Bible says, our restoration is greater. Our situation is greater than Adam before the fall, which is an amazing thought. So my first point, Paul's overwhelming desire to know Christ. Notice in our text in verses 4 through 9, he says that he talks about having confidence in the flesh. And he says, if anyone could have confidence in the flesh based on works, it would be me. And he goes through that catalog. But he says, I count them, whatever I've done, as rubbish, as trash to be burned. Does he reflect the Lord Jesus? Did Jesus make himself of no reputation? Did he empty himself? Became a servant? Humbled himself to the point of death, even the death of a cross? Paul rejects that which hinders him. And does it hinder mankind? Are there people that think that, well, I'm, I'm a good person. When I, go to, when I die, I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to be able to say, look at all the good things that I've done. What is God, what is God going to say? If that's the basis of their standing. Depart from me. I never knew you. Even those who said, Lord, Lord, depart from me. I never knew you. To me, that is the most frightening words in the Bible. I don't know about you. There's some frightening words in the Bible, but that is something I do not want to hear on that great judgment day, is Jesus saying, depart from me, I never knew you. Paul is saying that I may know him. Notice also, as we read our text, looking at the text, he says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of, of his resurrection. Notice that. That I may know him. That I may embrace him and the power of his resurrection. Now, earlier in chapter 2, he talked about Christ's humiliation, but also his exaltation. In chapter 2, he says, And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of, a cro of the cross, Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in, uh, in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, the unbeliever, at the end of time, declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Will he or she bow the knee? But will it be because they have that intimate personal relationship with him, or will it be because they're acknowledging reality and being cast into hell? That's the question. Notice he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In other words, that I may know grace, the grace of God, that I may experience the resurrection now. That's being born again. Secondly, notice in verse 10. And this is a tough statement. I don't know if you hear it. And the fellowship of his sufferings. 
fellowship, koinea, uh, having that in common. Is that something that you would embrace? Like to, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to experience in the sufferings of Christ what he went through. It, it, are you kidding me? Getting beaten 49 times, being mocked, being spit upon, being hidden, have a crown of thorns hit, the cross, carrying the cross. Paul is saying, I want to know him and the fellowship. Have fellowship with his sufferings. Paul, are you insane? What do you mean? What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about sanctification. He's talking about the work of this Holy Spirit in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want that family resemblance we've been talking about in the book of James? Do you want that? Do you want people, to, when they see you, they say, I see Jesus in you. Is that important to you? As John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. Is that your desire? It's not all about me. It's all about Jesus. And so he says, I want to have the fellowship in his sufferings, those that are applied to me, and also his obedient service. I want the work of the Holy Spirit to work in me so that I hear in heaven one day, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Isn't that the most wonderful statement in the Bible? Well done. Also in verse uh, 10, being conformed to his death, speaking about the cross, Paul will experience that in his martyrdom. But in another place, Paul writes that we in Christ are dead to sin. And so stop living like you're not. If you're in Christ, you're dead to sin and alive to righteousness. So what should your life reflect? That I'm a slave of righteousness, that I'm a servant of God, that I live for Jesus. He goes on to say that I may attain the resurrection, by, by, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. There he speaks of glory. I've mentioned this before. Many of the older hymns that we sing all end, or usually always end, with looking forward to the coming of Christ or eternity or so. Are you looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ? Or is it, oh, I'm not finished yet with this life. Don't come quickly, Lord Jesus. Do we pray that prayer? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I pray that prayer, especially as I look at what's going on in the world around me, and I go, oh, what a mess. It just seems like it's just going. Did they experience that in the time when Paul was writing this? In prison in Rome? Yeah. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Here Paul describes the glory of what he is looking forward to. So if you stop and you think about what he's saying, it's amazing to think about what God has done for you and me. Is that your desire? I want to know him more. I want to embrace what he's called me to be. I look forward to his return and to glory. Is that the orientation of your life? Now, you still work and have family and have kids and everything else, but still, is that the center of your being, to know him?
So let's talk a little bit about that point. And that's the second point in the sermon. What does it mean to know Christ? So we read before the service started Jesus' prayer, and in his prayer he prayed that he should give eternal life to as many as the Father had given him. What does that mean? How was that accomplished? It was accomplished because of the greater love, as no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. But were you his friend? When you were born, were you a friend of Jesus or an enemy? We're all enemies. But yet he called us friends, even when we were his enemies, because he was going to die, or he died for his enemies. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? God's glory is revealed in the cross. Amen? God's glory is revealed in the gift of eternal life. Amen? So what is the stuff that Jesus is talking about? What is this eternal life that Jesus has the authority to bestow? Again, in John chapter uh, 17, verse 3, we read it. He says, this is eternal life. He he gives us a definition. He He tells us what he means by what he gives. He says, this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In other words, what he said is, eternal life is knowing God. Through Jesus Christ. You understand that? That is profoundly beneficial. Eternal life. Does that mean if I know Jesus, that means I have eternal life now? Is that important? If you don't have eternal life now, what are you facing? Eternal death. So that word there, to know, is usually means to have a relationship with that which is known. Vines says it this way, what is known is of value or importance to the one who knows, and therefore the establishment of a relationship. It is more than mere intellectual activity. In other words, to know God means to have a relationship with him. A personal, intimate, that's what the word means in the Greek. One, One way to illustrate that, Knowing God is more complex than knowing a fellow man. Just like knowing my neighbor is more complex than knowing an animal. You may have a pet. You may know that pet. But knowing a person is harder. It's harder to know a person because they're more complex than an animal. So what are we talking about? Knowing God. Is that the most complex relationship, knowledge that you can embrace? You're ever going to get there in this life? Are you ever going to know God fully in eternity? Are we going to be constantly growing in our knowledge and relationship with God? I believe so. He's infinite, eternal, unchangeable. Knowing God is amazing. Part of eternal life, as we said. One writer says, the quality and extent of our knowledge of a fellow man depends more on him or her opening up to us. Our knowing them is more directly the result of their allowing us to know them than our attempt to get to know them. For me to get to know you, you have to let me know you. You have to 
share things about yourself in order for me to actually know you. Um, I don't know, personally don't know, President Obama. I don't know him. I know of him. I know what I think about him. But I don't know him personally. Do you? Anybody here personally know our president? No. You know about him. But imagine, not Biden, imagine the king of England or the king of the country you're someone um, that is of high rank. They invite you to the White House or to the palace. And they bring the, you into their presence and they say, I want you to be my friend and my close advisor. And we will talk about the things that I am dealing with, and I'll look to you for advice. How would you feel about that? Would you be honored? Yeah, wouldn't it, right? Well, what's amazing is that we have the creator of the universe as our father, who says to us, come to me and ask Part of what we're doing here, I don't know if you realize this, but do you know that you're in heaven right now? Pastor's really lost it this time. Well, where's Jesus? Jesus is in heaven. He says, two or more gathered in my name, and it has to do with the corporate gathering of the saints. I am there. So is it that Jesus comes down or we go up in the spirit? Paul says we're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Right now, we're in the presence of God in heaven with the angels and the just men made perfect around his throne, Hebrews chapter 12. And what do we do when we're praying? We're going to the Father and we're saying, Father, this is what we think for your glory and the good of your kingdom, this should be done. We are bringing counsel. We have access. We have the privilege of praying and in doing so, we are speaking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is what would be best for your kingdom. Please, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a great privilege. Let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. J.I. Packard says it this way. What happens is that the almighty creator, the Lord of hosts, the great God before whom all the nations or as a drop in the bucket, comes to us and begins to talk to us through the words and truths of the Holy Scripture. One day, this believer wakes up to the fact that God is actually speaking to him, him, through the Bible message. He comes to realize as he listens that God is actually opening his heart to him, making friends with him, and enlisting him as a colleague, a covenant partner. It is a staggering thing, but it is true. The relationship in which sinful human beings know God is one in which God takes them on to his staff to be henceforth his fellow workers and personal friends. The action of God in taking Joseph from prison to become Pharaoh's prince Prime Minister is a picture of what he does to every Christian. From being Satan's prisoner, he finds himself transferred to a position of trust in the service of God. At once, life is transformed. Whether being a servant in is matter for shame or for pride depends on whose servant one is. 
For pride depends on who is being served. Therefore, knowing God is an, uh, in an intimate personal relationship is established by him, and it is our greatest glory. You may glory in your abilities, you may glory in your looks, you may glory in your relationships, but the Bible says the greatest thing we glory in is that God knows me. Now notice I said that. I didn't say I know God. But the greatest glory is that God knows me. Knowing God without God knowing us is mere intellectual activity. Just like knowing the president. And like I said before, the most fearful words in the Bible, Matthew 7.23, I never knew you. So do you think that that kind of gives us an understanding of what Paul was saying when he said, that I may know him. Everything I've done, everything I am is rubbish. I set it aside. My car, my job, my bank account, my house, my family, my whatever. I set everything aside that I may know him. That he may know me and that I may know them. Jesus said it this way. My sheep hear my voice and they know me. Is that what he said? Or that I know them. He says, I know them. And they follow me. And I give to them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. Isn't that a great statement? So who is he? He is the Lord. He's the master. He is the head. And we are the body. Again, we said earlier, what is the confession of faith? Jesus is Lord. Knowing God, therefore, is a restoration to of the Lord-servant covenantal relationship that was be, uh, begun with Adam and Eve. In other words... Is he your Lord? Are you his servant? Is that your glory? Paul says, that I may have that relationship. So the third, third aspect, though, is, okay, he's the Lord. He's my father. He's the shepherd. He's the king. I'm a servant. I'm the son or daughter. I'm uh, the sheep. You know, the Bible uses all of those. So what should I do if that is my relationship with the holy God? Well, I should pursue what pleases him. Fellowship with him. Do what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments, right? Yeah. Lord, I want you to be glorified on earth, and you, I need it to begin with me. Do that work in me to do what is pleasing to you. I'm here to please you. Right? Is that in the Bible? That we are called to please God instead of men? The answer is yes. The amazing thing is, through Christ, even our failing, sinful works are purified and please him. Isn't that amazing? And he said, isn't that what you want to hear? Well done. Good faith. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So, knowledge of God, in the fullest sense, is obedient knowledge. Knowledge of God produces obedience. God's friends necessarily seek to obey him and better, and the better that they know him, the more obedient they become. 
being near him transforms us. Does that make sense? The closer you walk with Jesus, the more you become like Jesus. He does that work in you. Remember Moses? He goes up on the mountain, and he's in the presence of God, and he comes back down from the mountain, and what's happening with his face? It's glowing so bright that they have to get a veil and cover it because it's hurting their eyes. He goes into the presence of God. How about you and me? Do we do that? While you're driving your truck down the road, are you talking to Jesus? Are you in the presence of God? Is that effect? Uh, do other people see it? My prayer is that, that yes. So knowledge of God produces obedience, and obedience to God leads to knowledge. It's a circular relationship. We get to know him better because, well, I want to please you, so tell me how to please you so that I get to know and study the Bible so that I can know how to please you. Knowledge designates the friendship. Obedience designates the activity within the relationship, Right? So in other words, if you love him, what does he say? Keep my commandments if you love me. If you have that relationship, then the fruit of that is you do what he says. We love him. We must keep his commandments. We want to do those things which please him and promote a deeper relationship with him. So just a little excursus on that statement that I may know him. The final, final point, how well do you know him? What is your relationship like? In the Bible it says that there are enemies, all mankind. It takes a special act of God to change that state or that status. We were talking about that earlier through the gospel. Are you an enemy of God? If you're not trusting in Christ, you're an enemy of God. Secondly, uh, do you have a casual acquaintance with God? In other words, your Christianity is right now. Sunday morning from 10 to 11, or is that your relationship with God? It's, It's casual. Jesus says, you've left your first love. He says in Revelation, you are lukewarm. Does Jesus like lukewarm? What does he say about the lukewarm Christian? Spit you out. That's the, that's the nice way of saying it. Or do you, are you hot? Uh, uh, do you have that intimate personal relationship? One of the evidences is I hunger and thirst. I'm hungry. I want more. Jesus, I want more of you. Okay? I lack. Isn't that a good thing to say? I need you. Is that a godly thing to say? I need Jesus. Yeah. I need you more. Hunger and thirst after righteousness, the promises, and he will be filled. Do you seek him with your whole heart? Do you pursue him like a young man pursues a wife? Is he more important to you than anything else in the universe? If not, ask God to give you that heart. So again, Where are you? Do you know him? And the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means 
we obtain the resurrection from the dead. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you that you and your great love, while we're yet sinners, you sent your only begotten Son, whom you love from all eternity, to suffer and to die in our place. We thank you also as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper, which is designed to point us to that love, that sacrifice, that care. Help us, Lord, to not only embrace the gospel, but embrace the gospel as pointed to through the sacraments. We do pray that you would leave, enable us to leave here changed in a good way for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.